0: Heavenly Father, thank you so much that this evening uh, uh, you meet with us uh, through your word. You lift our eyes to uh, to who you are. You equip us. You equip us generously uh, with your Holy Spirit for our our life following Jesus and our life together. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that this evening you would build us up to be a, a people who follow the way of love to be a people who who desire the gifts of the Spirit, and when we gather together to be those He particularly desire uh, the gift of prophecy, please would you give us uh, understanding, but more than that, understanding that it translates into changed lives and transformed community. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm taking my cue from our current Prime Minister. He's got uh, well, several bees in his bonnet. One of them is that we're no good at maths. Okay, so we're going to have a little math quiz here. What's 12 add 13? 25, correct, when it comes to math. When it comes to 1 Corinthians, however, 12 plus 13 equals thir- uh, 14. And and I realize this is a slightly odd way of starting by kind of stating the blindingly obvious that in 1 Corinthians, chapter 14 follows chapter 13, which follows chapter 12. Uh, but actually, it's it's more than that. It is that opening verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you've got your Bible shut and you want to follow along, it's page 1154. It says, follow the way of love. If you are here last week, we are in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, uh, being told that the the motivation for using the gifts the Holy Spirit gives to us is to be Jesus-shaped love. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. If you were here a few weeks ago, Across two Sunday evenings, we were hearing how every member of the body of Christ, every person who declares Jesus is Lord, does so because they have the Holy Spirit. Which means they all have a gift. It means we all belong. We are all needed. Follow the way of love. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. That's chapter 14. And we're going to do half of it tonight. And if you're sitting here going, what on earth is going on? Uh, We're in a series looking uh, at what do the gifts of the Holy Spirit look like in the life of a local church, particularly zooming in on these uh, chapters in 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, 13, and 14. And it might feel like we've we spent quite a number of weeks uh, talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and you've been sitting and listening along, kind of going, great, yes, yes. When are we going to get to the exciting stuff? When are we going to get to tongues and, and, and prophecy and, and all that sort of stuff? Well, tonight we we get into it, but I'm incredibly grateful for the weeks that have already happened. Uh, If you were, as uh, as I did, and I think, Tim, I spotted you going to have a look, uh, go down to Manor Park this evening uh, to see what's going on there. You will see something that looks a bit like, hopefully, what Liz is going to pop on the screen. The hub being built very exciting, the steel frame's uh, in position. It went up this week, but you know what we've been working? Well, I say we, I've had nothing to do with it. The builders have been building for several weeks. What have they been doing? Well, they've been working on the foundations. It's no good putting up that steel frame without these amazing screws that go into the ground to hold it up. If we hadn't have done those screws into the ground, we just focused on the steel frame, the bit that's seen, by now that those steels would have fallen down. And just as the Corinthian church, well, they were focusing on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, potentially without the proper foundations in place. Well, like them, if we don't put the proper foundations in place, we, we're at risk of things going wrong, of things falling down. What is, for us, the kind of take-home message from 1 Corinthians 14? Or well, very simply, it's that we are to lovingly, and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. And when it comes to our life together, as a church community, it's the gift of prophecy. Lovingly and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. As we desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're to do so lovingly. And what that means is, when we gather together as a a local church, as a church community, when we meet on a Sunday or in small groups, there's one gift that particularly needs priority given to it. A gift to be sought after in this context. The gift of prophecy. See, the church in Corinth seems to have done what I guess lots of us have experienced supermarkets do when you put your online shop in. They turn up with a substitution from a totally different aisle. Still come from the same shop, but it doesn't really relate to what we ordered. The same way, uh, in in Corinth, it it seems that instead of prioritizing prophecy, they were prioritizing speaking in tongues, speaking in languages. And it wasn't doing them any good at all when they met together. Listen again uh, to what Paul says to the church in Corinth in verses 18 and 19. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, so in the church context, when the, when the church meets together, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Okay, okay. Well, that was there, them then. And that's right. This, this isn't written directly to us, but it continues to speak to us. And I think what Paul has to say in chapter 14 is, is something that continues to speak loudly to us. Uh, mostly for two reasons. The first one is, in parts of the Christian world today, there can sometimes be an assumption that for you to be a proper Christian, or for you to be a Christian that truly has the Holy Spirit in you, the mark of that is speaking in tongues, speaking in languages. I think these chapters in 1 Corinthians challenge this. and, And they show that when... God's people gather together, it's, it's prophecy, not speaking in tongues that's to be prioritised. Uh, and the second reason uh, why I think it speaks loudly and we should pay attention is that for lots of churches, particularly in the Western world, especially in the Western world, and I guess including churches like St. Luke's, uh, we might hear these encouragements to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, uh, to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy, and then we don't really do a lot about it and we end up missing out. It's a bit like if you cut out all the sources of iron in your diet. What happens? You end up tired and pale and unwell. So we it's important we don't miss out. And so my plan for this evening uh, and this sort of first half of chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians is to spend some time on two definitions uh, of tongues or languages and prophecy. What do we mean by these? Uh, and then two um, two reasons why Paul gives that we prioritize prophecy when we gather together. Hopefully that's, that, that sounds okay with you. Uh, and and it might be, I think it's worth taking a bit of time over this. So um, if I'm two or three minutes longer than usual, forgive me. And I hope it's helpful. And if you're really bored, just wave at me and I'll go and sit down. Prophecy. What, what do we mean by the gift of prophecy? What is this gift that Paul encourages to be prioritized in the life of a church when it gathers together? Well, I don't know that we're given an absolutely specific definition, but verse, verse 3 gives us a great starting point. You see it? The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Prophecy is words spoken to others specifically so that they're given strength, they're given courage, they're given comfort. If we think about this a little bit, that therefore must mean, surely, that those words have got to be rooted in, overflowing from, and connected in some way to what God has said. How God has made himself known through the Scriptures. How God has made himself known through Jesus, who we meet in the Scriptures. So one of the the key distinctions of prophecy, uh, compared to uh, speaking in tongues, according to 1 Corinthians 14, is that the words that are spoken are understandable. So we we look at verse 6. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you? Unless I bring you some revelation, or knowledge, or prophecy, or word of instruction. But but you kind of get the picture there. Revelation, knowledge, prophecy, word of instruction. I guess there's probably an overlap in those descriptors, potentially. But what they all have in common is they are They're gifts of speech that convey a message that can be understood by every single person. It is something that, according to verse 16, is said in a way that everybody can go, Amen to that. Which is just us saying, let that be so. Yes. And when we're talking about the spiritual gift of prophecy, sometimes we, we can start to get a little bit concerned because We think, actually, but there's already prophecy in the Bible. The Old Testament prophets. Their words being God's direct words. And we want to be a little bit careful here. When I think Paul is describing the gift of prophecy here, he's not saying that the person speaking does so with the same kind of authority as somebody like Isaiah does. We were in Isaiah this morning. No. But then I think in... In the Bible, we, we find a category that is broader than something that would just describe books like Isaiah or Jeremiah. And, and it's, it's one of the reasons I'm confident that spiritual gifts such as prophecy are for today. And we're to eagerly desire them. And it's just an example for you of, of what this could look like, and, and what it might mean is we could go to somewhere like Acts 21. Uh, we find Christian believers uh, in a place called Tyre. Paul has been sailing around. He's, he's made his way there. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, and the Christians believers, in Acts 21, we're told, come to Paul, and it says, through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. You can imagine them coming alongside Paul. Paul, we've just got this sense from, from God. That you shouldn't go to Jerusalem. Or somebody saying, "I've got a picture that the road is closed for you," and yet you read through Acts twenty-one. What does Paul do? He goes to Jerusalem, and you kind of go, "Okay, have those Christians got it wrong? Has Paul got it wrong? Has the Holy Spirit got it wrong?" We're scratching our heads, but we don't have to go much further to find out. A little bit later on, another prophet, Agabus, turns up. He comes to the church where Paul is, and he takes Paul's belt, and if you know the story, he ties Paul's hands together, he ties his feet together, and he says that the person who this belt belongs to, this, will, this is what's going to happen to them. And we get begin to see that perhaps those earlier disciples had a sense from the Holy Spirit that, that Paul was going to suffer in Jerusalem. But as they tried to understand that and convey that, their conclusion was, therefore, Paul should not go to Jerusalem. The message from God was that there was suffering for Paul ahead. It was right, but their understanding of it wasn't quite there yet. And therefore, prophecy as a gift of the Spirit always comes with this healthy sense of, I think God might be saying. What God is saying will be true. How we understand it and apply it, well, that's where we might not be completely there. And so we always look to the Scriptures. Is it in in agreement with what the Scriptures say? Does it match the character of God? A healthy sense of, I think, God might be saying. Sometimes we might experience that as somebody leads a service or as somebody preaches. Uh, We might have it when somebody shares a picture that it feels like God has given to them or a particular word or a a Bible verse that jumps out or a prompting from the Holy Spirit. We, We use all sorts of different language, a word of encouragement that we want to share. But ultimately, prophecy is speaking uh, truth from God to other people in a way that's understandable, that applies to their life or the life of the community in a way that builds up and equips them in faith. So that's prophecy. What's, what's the speaking in tongues? What's the languages thing? Well, again, I'm not giving a precise definition in 1 Corinthians 14, but we're given a great starting point. Look at verse 2. It says, anyone who speaks in a tongue, or or another way of just saying a language, does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Do you begin to notice how uh, speaking in tongues, speaking languages, is is different to prophecy? First of all, it's not directed towards other people. It's directed towards God. And it it seems that the, the gift of Languages is particularly connected uh, to talking to God to prayer or, or to singing those are the two examples uh, in um, verses 14 uh, and, and fifteen that, that Paul draws on uh, praying or singing in a in a language that is not necessarily your own or a language that anybody else around you might speak there's a, a maybe a hint at the beginning of uh, 1 corinthians 13, that it might not just be human languages. Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels. Speaking in languages is a form, it seems, of intimate prayer enabled by the Holy Spirit in a language that is not your normal language or spoken by those around. And it's why Paul keeps saying there needs to, if you're doing it publicly, be an in interpretation. But just because the language is not understood by the speaker doesn't mean that it's not valuable. Paul's really clear. This is a great gift. Verse 4, anyone who who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. At verse 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Paul says that he prays in tongues more than anybody else in verse 18. But it doesn't mean all of us. Or speak in tongues or in languages. It's a gift the Holy Spirit gives to some as he determines. Paul's already asked the question uh, back at the end of chapter 12. Do all speak in tongues? And he's asking it, expecting the answer. Well, no. doesn't mean we shouldn't desire the gift. doesn't mean we shouldn't be asking and praying for that gift. And just because the language is not understood by the speaker or by others, doesn't mean there isn't any meaning. Paul says, verse 10, undoubtedly there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. So we have these two spiritual gifts in the first half of 1 Corinthians 14. Prophecy and speaking speaking in languages. And as we've held up those two definitions, we begin to start to see where where the two gifts differ. And why Paul says, "prioritize prophecy when you gather together as a local church." two reasons he gives us: we prioritize prophecy uh, first of all, because it builds up, it builds up. We prioritize prophecy when we gather together, not not because it's you know the gold medal of spiritual gifts. You know it's the, the top of the league. no it's there as a priority when we gather together because we're motivated by a Jesus-shaped love. A love that longs for others to be built up. It's the drumbeat of these verses. Strengthening, encouraging, comfort, edifies, builds up. Speaking in languages is a great and good and wonderful gift from the Spirit. But because they're not understood by other people, they don't build people up. In fact, verse 11, it tells it makes them feel like a foreigner, like an outsider in the place they should feel most at home. As we gather, if somebody starts speaking in a language nobody knows, it's not going to do us any good at all. I can uh, remember at university, I went on the best field trip in the world because I went to Mexico and that was amazing. And it was New Year. And I remember going uh, into a church, that was a, it was a Roman Catholic church. And I sat through the service and I was clueless. Utterly clueless. Did it do me any good? I don't think so. You shouldn't be left feeling like that when you you gather with your church family. And it's because prophecy is directed towards one another in a way that is understandable. That's why it's a priority in our life together. What Paul writes, verse 12. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. And it means if somebody feels that they should speak in a language, speak in a tongue, when the church gathers together, Paul's very clear. Verse 13: The one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. Otherwise, Paul's thinking, keep quiet. And I think it gives us just a really helpful, wider application about. Our attitude when we gather together for things like this. When we walk through the door, are we kind of going, I wonder what I'm going to get out of tonight. I wonder what God's going to say to me. That's not a wrong thing. But if that's all we're thinking, we're missing out. I think the other half of it is walking in and going, how can I be the biggest encouragement here this evening? Who could I encourage? How could I encourage them? And be praying, Lord, help me to do that." We prioritize prophecy because it builds up. And we prioritize prophecy because it brings people to faith. So in verse 22, Paul states that tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. This language of sign is being picked up from that quote from the Old Testament, from Isaiah uh, chapter 28, where God's people hearing different languages spoken over them that they don't understand was a sign for them of God's judgment upon them. That's not a good thing. So if an inquirer or non-Christian walks in and finds us all speaking in languages, they might look back and go, whew, that's quite impressive. And it will confirm them completely in their unbelief. They'll think, you're out of your minds. Just like other religions with their chants, strange spiritual experiences, and off they go. Paul says, verse 23, so if the whole church comes together, everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, They will not say, will they not say that you're out of your minds? But if an unbeliever or inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they're convicted of sin, they're brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their heart are laid bare, so they will fall down. and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. See, when we prioritize prophecy, Truths from God being spoken out for for our encouragement in an understandable way, those who may wander in can hear and understand. They hear the gospel. They see their need for a saviour. They're given that opportunity to turn and return to God. That doesn't happen if we were all speaking in languages. And if one of our priorities for this year is to be sharing our faith in Jesus with others, that means we've got to prioritize prophecy when we gather together. And an expectation there'll be times where unbelievers and inquirers will walk in and be in our midst. We prioritize speaking truth from God to other people in a way that they can understand because that's what builds us up. That's what leads people to faith. And we're left hopefully this evening with that question that I'm hoping is forming in everyone's mind. So how do we do it here in this place? Holy Spirit, I pray this evening that you would help us to lovingly and eagerly desire your gifts, especially prophecy. Lord, if there are things that particularly that you would have us to share with one another for our encouragement, to build us up, to equip us. Would you be drawing those to mind? Those particular stories, answers to prayer, words of encouragement, particular verses. Would you be laying those things in our hearts and our minds? Would you be leading us in the coming few minutes, we ask? Amen.